Hey, are you in Denmark? Can you drive to Denmark? Is Denmark anywhere near you at all? Did you know that J-Popcon is happening at the DGI Bayern in Copenhagen from February 20th to the 22nd? Well, it is. J-Popcon celebrates Japanese culture, including Japanese console gaming. And guess who's going to be there? Charles Martinet, the voice of Mario, Luigi, Wario, an almost ridiculous amount of characters, will be there this weekend, and he'll be participating in questions and answers panels, signing autographs, and will even play some Mario Kart with the fans. Come on, you want to go. I want to go. Charles is a great guy, an amazing storyteller, and really loves engaging with his fans. So you should totally go and say hi, maybe play some Mario Kart against Mario himself. Check out the website. It's www.j-popcon.dk. That's j-popcon.dk. And sign up, attend the event, meet Charles, have an awesome time. Do it now and listen to our podcast while you're driving or riding the bus. Anyway, let's get started. Music! And it's the Scene World Podcast. I'm AJ. Jorg is over there. Sup? Hello. I'm doing good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and right now I'm uh, very thrilled to, well, to have the fifth episode now. Yeah. This is quite amazing. And adding to that, in a minute we're going to be talking with Siren and Esper from the Frag Dolls. And uh, the Frag Dolls are an all-female professional gaming team for Ubisoft. And they do Let's Plays and live streams and promotions and charity work. And they, they do all kinds of stuff for, for Ubisoft and for gaming in general. What, what I wanted to talk about, anyway, is that um, when we started the podcast, we got some kind of feedback from the scene and other people, like, worrying that we would neglect the magazine itself, you know, the Disc Mag, the uh-huh. Seamworld Disc Mag, because this is our roots and this is where it came from. And this is where the space, our base of listeners and readers are coming from. And um, we recently released a double feature, like the last time the 3D Realms podcast episode. Mm-hmm. And on the 12th, on the same day, we released number 24 of Scene World. Yes, and it did. was our first issue to cover three disc sites. So. This was packed with party reports, with six sky video interviews, and all the other nice stuff. And uh, we received some feedback from the scene about very nice party reports, very nice interviews, and so on. Really great contact. And we also received a personal congratulation from Walter Day from the Twin Galaxy um, founder for our great journalistic um, achievement. Yeah. So thank you, Walter, for that. Yes, thank you. Are we so we're the press now? We're actually considered press. Oh yes. Well, I have to thank I have to thank um, the staff from the nowadays Twin Galaxies, which is under the hood of Chase Hall. They really mm-hmm. helped us a lot to promote the interview and the podcast. Was promoted really very well by 3D Realms. Mm-hmm. We were on their cover front page and on Facebook and on Twitter. So, yep. thank you. That was very nice. And um, who would think we made that doing a disc mag 
a Commodore 64 disc mag would eventually lead to this jumbled mess that we're doing now. <laughs> yes, well, I mean, we are, we are basically getting everybody. No, not everybody, but we, we, we got really big people there. Yeah. yeah. And, um. Well, 3D Realms and, uh, Cinemaware and, uh. Last Birai, right, who was right. our first guest. Uh huh. Yeah. And, um, the Frag Dolls. I mean, that, they're, that's huge. They have an enormous following that's just getting bigger and bigger. Um, yeah. And, I mean, we've even hit, you know, the scenes and, and whatnot that, that, most people don't know exists in in Peru and well that's pretty much it in Peru so yep I think we were totally lucky here and um, I think our experience from making the disc mag and the Skype video interviews and how to approach people accordingly um, really helped us to get there and of course the support from the community so anyway, my point was we didn't re- neglect the disc mag. In fact, we made our most successful issue ever. And um, we plan to continue releasing the magazine like two issues per year, one in summer and one in winter. So the mm-hmm. things will always be fresh. And because that was also in discussion a couple of times, like like why don't we just release one issue per year but I think that was would first delay everything, would mean a lot of extra work, would mean that even three disc sites aren't enough to cover all, and the interviews and all the stuff wouldn't be fresh. Yeah, we'd have to kind of wait until the, the last minute, and, and as, a, as, as someone that used to do an NTSC News chapter, and I don't really do it anymore because I'm really not that in touch with it. Uh, some, uh, some issues you do, if there's so, nobody rarely. else who does it. Yeah. yeah, rarely, but um, it's kind of a pain in the ass to do a a, uh, a news chapter to begin with because you gotta, depending on the release schedule of the magazine, you have to go and you have to scour from the past couple of months and try to figure out who did what and what was released. And if we got to do it once a year, then either you have to be paying attention all year long, which is not ever going to happen, or you have to pull an all nighter at the very end and try to figure out everything that happened in the past year and uh, you know there's no way you'll get everything because because it's the scene is is too disorganized and and sloppy to really know everything that happened over the course well, of the year. Well the thing is the thing is plus I, think- I mean how many parties happen ever, happen in a year and to try to have reports from all of them and hey here's a report that from a party that happened you know 11 months year- ago yeah, exactly. Yeah, no one cares about that. Everyone knows it because they were there, or, or you know, they've read it someplace else. So it would be that would be silly. And I also wonder if I would if we would get any interviews. Like, when are you going to read this? Like in a year? Yeah, it would be like you know, hey, yeah, we're going to take this interview and put it on put it on ice for a little bit. So if you have anything to plug, make sure it's at least two years in advance, so that we have time. You know, so that otherwise, otherwise it'll be. By, by the time we get to plug your thing, it'll be, it'll have been released for, you know, eight months. Well, the thing is, people are so much used to our regularity that we even received messages because we were two weeks delayed. Like, what's going on with the magazine? Did you stop it? Will it be released soon? We're regular like what happened, what happened? What happened to my interview? You know, the, such things we... We received, and I was like, "Wow, people yeah. really, really are getting used to our schedule now." Right. Um, and you talked to, yes. to, to the, we had some good interviews. We talked to you talked to Stuart Chaffee 
from the Computer Chronicles, that which is an American PBS show that was on for years and years that I grew up with, which was kind of cool. You've had some other big profile guys, and yeah, we're doing okay. It's perfect. I um, I took it took a long time to get Marty Cooper, the inventor of the mobile phone, but this is, was a very very uh, good interview too, and. We got an exclusive interview also. Yeshe Varkura, the for, former lead engineer of Commodore Japan, because the only interview that's out there is a text interview from 2008. And, uh, well, this is the first and probably the last video interview he ever gave. So, okay. check it out um, at seamworld.org slash interviews. And also very good is I made secure that actually we will be on the Gamescom in August this year in Cologne, Germany with our booth. Um, I don't know yet who will be there of us or if some other people will help. I guess those details I will um, organize in June or something. But I invited some people from the staff too to help me and now I'm just waiting for answers and um, of those of you who don't know the Gamescom, Gamescom is the biggest game fair in Europe and if you want to check it out it's www.gamescom slash cologne.com this is the English website, and they have a really, really great retro area, and we will have our booth there, definitely. What kind of things are we going to have at the booth? Well, of course, we will present the magazine. I will do presentations of the magazine, and, um, well, I don't know yet how we would get the podcast blocked. But we'll just have a giant cardboard cut out of me with a with a tape recorder behind it just talking. Actually, I was <laughs> thinking about um, a QR code maybe oh. on the screen. Oh. So people could listen to it yeah, yeah. in iTunes or um, on our podcast page. Yeah. Yeah, the cardboard could... is also not a good idea. Uh, it's also not a bad idea. You could dress as a QR code. And rock yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, I, I could do that. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> Who is this? This is our podcast. Scared me. Scared me. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. Uh. <laughs> this is hilarious. Oy. As you can hear, we have a lot of uh, fun doing yeah. the podcast. Yeah, yeah. This one was th th this podcast was extra fun because I, I we did I did some extracurricular stuff with this, and hopefully, um, depending on whether I can make it good or not, there could be a let's play on YouTube released at the same time as this podcast of me failing at a game because because our guests today are are excellent gamers and I conversely am not but I thought that I thought that I should at least give it a try and you know just as an homage to all the let's players and gamers out there to kind of show them how terrible I am. I don't know what game it will be yet. I I am bouncing between a few and I guess it depends on which one I'm most awful at. But, yeah, yeah. 
And once once H A decided what he fails at, <laughs> it will be yeah. It will be in the description of the podcast yes, as be. a link to YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be there. And, and so anyway, guys, meet us on the retro area at Gamescom. And yes, well, and thanks to the Gamescom guys for giving us free entry. Yeah, yeah. Once again, so, we are apparently press now, so... We are press, definitely. Yes. Well, let's not waste any more time. The frag dolls are, are over there. They're waiting for us to annoy them. So, let's go and do that. Well, so thanks for taking the time to talk to us. From what I read about you two... Um, and the whole fragdolls thing, you have actually been professional gamers before the fragdolls. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So um, let's start with with um, Michelle. How did you actually become a, a gamer girl? So I was really lucky when I was growing up. Uh, my parents actually hooked me up with a Super Nintendo, and so my siblings and I. We, you know, it kind of started like this this road of, of competitive gaming. You know, you, I have my siblings. We're all kind of close in age a little bit. And so we all kind of, you know, fought to take turns on the Super Nintendo. And it slowly turned into a thing that, you know, kind of guided my whole life. So your first console was actually Super Nintendo. Yes. This means you are still in your 20s apart? Yes, I am still in my 20s. <laughs> Because usually people who are in their 20s start with the Super Nintendo. Yep, Super Nintendo all the way. Because I started with the NES and the C64. <laughs> and how about you, Siren? How did you start becoming a gamer girl? Yeah, so kind of the same idea in a sense, I guess. I actually started on the NES. Um, I actually still have my NES and I have all my old school games. That my dad bought. My dad didn't have boys. He had three girls. So I think he took his, instead of playing sports with us, he wanted to teach us how to play video games. So we started with NES, and we went, obviously, to Super Nintendo. Then I got really addicted to my Nintendo 64. I probably spent the most time on that. And then it didn't really start getting competitive or into competitive gaming until after high school. So when I was about 18, I had a bunch of roommates that I lived with who were all boys, so it, was, it turned into the boys' club. If I wanted to hang out with them, I either needed to learn how to work on cars or play video games. So I did both. <laughs> um, so I got really into Xbox when Xbox first launched and started playing Halo, and then I played Halo for about seven years, and that started my professional quote-unquote career with Halo gaming. So... In your case, it was Halo, or what was actually your first game that got you uh, becoming a gamer girl? Well, I wouldn't say, first off, you say gamer girl, I'm a gamer. I'm not a gamer girl, I'm a gamer. But I think everything, everything that I played got me into it, you know? Like, starting as a young kid, I was already a gamer. Even though I wasn't competitive at that age, I think it kind of just was with me the entire time. I kind of classify anybody that picks up games in any way, even if it's mobile games or if it's even a board game, whatever it is, they are a gamer. So I think I've always been a gamer since I was young because I really picked it up at such a young age and I loved it. And with that, kids are very, very smart from the ages of two to five. They say you learn the most and that kind of started my passion with it because ever since then I always played. But the game that got me obviously competitive, like I said, was Halo and that started with Halo 2. And then from Halo 2, I competed with Halo 2 for a couple of years. I got to do some MLGs. Um, I got 
invited out to do w, uh, WCG in 2008 and got to play with the team, which was a really awesome experience. And then that kind of brought me into the world of online gaming, obviously, and I met the PMS clan, which is one of the largest female clans pretty much in the entire world. And then from there, that's how I met the Fragdolls. So it kind of just was this awesome ricochet. I think both Esper and I are probably a group that, you know, kind of joined each other's forces and kind of had the same story. We just all needed to meet up and thank God for online gaming because the internet is what kind of got us all together. Yeah, I think that's kind of it in a nutshell. (laughs) I think that's kind of uh, actually important that you mentioned that you're not a gamer girl, that you're just a gamer because, I mean, in in researching some of this, like like 48, 49% of gamers are female. So it's like there's not really like a... It doesn't need to be like a differentiation between, you know, a gamer dude and a gamer girl. You know, like what difference does it make? But it's really kind of, for some reason, they still, they still market most of these, most games that come out to, to guys for some inexplicable reason. Even though I said like, you know, about 50% of the actual gamer uh, demographic is female. So like, what's your, and we've seen, we've seen that trend for a while too. Hmm. All right, yeah, I cut well, you off before your question. No, 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 no that, that, that's that's that, that's fine. Uh, uh, it was just a. Uh, why is that? Do you, do you think? Like, I because it would seem to me if I was going to make a game, I would want to market it to to everybody. And there there's some games that have you know playable characters where you can kind of choose the gender. If that, I mean, I don't even think that matters really. If it's because you, and we've discussed it with other people where where you kind of want your main character often to kind of be nobody in particular so that everybody can relate to them and, and whatnot. But um, just just why, why do you think that it is that the, this population of gamers is so overlooked? Um, it's, it's funny because I, I think that we're starting to see the trend where it really starting to slowly become, you know, marketing is starting to realize. Um, I've noticed with a lot of the marketing people that are actually behind the marketing departments and a lot of these gaming companies actually don't play games themselves. And that is probably one of the biggest mistakes right there. So when they think marketing, they think, you know, I went to college, this is how we were taught, this is the way we're going to do it. But I think, you know, when you say it's it's like 48% to, you know, I, I think now it's almost 50-50, in all honesty. I know the numbers just slightly change every year, but again, that's encompassing all games. So that is looking at mobile, and I think anybody that has, you know, an, an Android or an iOS has games on their phone. Um, that also, again, is going to tabletop gaming. Tabletop gaming is huge, and I think it's an area that's not really tapped into. That's still because the online isn't really there. Um, that's more going to be a community of where you live and the people that are around you and maybe the card shop that you're going to go to. And then just your your massive AAA titles. You know, if you got like Grand Theft Auto, for instance, to the marketing people, that's a game that, you know, it's a little bit down and dirty. And when they think of that, they think the 18 to 34-year-old males, mm-hmm. which in certain games like that, it might be best to market to that market, but... I think they really just need to do the research a little bit better and see who is it that's playing their games. Um, when it comes down to marketing in general, just watching TV and media and mass media, that's how marketing is in anything. If it's even movies or if it's um, you know the news, just anything that's on TV is kind of the same thing and online as well. So I, I think it is changing. I don't think it's going to change overnight, but they're starting to realize like, hey, there are a lot of females, you know, that still enjoy the same things that the guys are buying. And I think it's it's slowly getting there. And since I've even been a part of the gaming industry for the last five years, it's changed a lot. So it's awesome to kind of be a part of that and see that change. 
I, I get two things in mind when I hear that discussion, discussing with you. Um, one thing is like every year there are local mega drive competitions and there's one world competition each year. And actually in 2011, um, I've been at the mega drive competition and the competition winner of Germany was actually a, a girl. Just to back up your point. And, and, and they flew to, to uh, England by plane to take part in the world international competition. So. Yeah, it's awesome. That's um, badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, about what AJ said about, um, and you also about being uh, more towards girls and boys with games, I think one of those games that actually attracted and was targeted on both areas was The Sims, especially The Sims 2. Don't yeah, you think? I mean, I, with The Sims and with Minecraft games like that, it has nothing to do with sex, you know. You're also exploring, you know, all ages with that, which is awesome because you're now getting in the younger kids who, you know, love games just as much as that, you know, 40-year-old dude that's sitting, you know, at home. So you're kind of expanding your reach, which is nice. And we know this now about Minecraft because <laughs> Esper and I would <laughs> sit there and play uh, games and we were always like, Minecraft, why are people so addicted to Minecraft? Why is it? This five-year-old can play Minecraft. You got this 25-year-old guy that can play Minecraft. You got a 30-year-old mom that's playing it. You know, you got all these different people that are playing this game. What is it? And I think Esper can kind of maybe speak to how we got addicted to that game just like everybody else. I mean, we're very late to that board, but it's awesome to see games like that because they literally are encompassing everybody. Yeah, I think that was a big surprise for both of us because we've, we've always heard so much about Minecraft and we got invited to this tournament for Extra Life, which is, you know, charitable raising for the Children's Miracle Network hospitals. And so we got to go to this tournament. We got to compete to win money for these hospitals that we're representing. And one of the games was Minecraft. You don't usually think Minecraft competitive gaming. And so we, we both picked it up. We were kind of messing with it. And then all of a sudden now we're playing, you know, like 15 hours of Minecraft a week. But, you know, it's, it's just so easy to pick up and play. And it's, it, it reminds me of Legos, right? Like everyone, everyone when they're younger remembers spending time building and, and playing with toys. And it was just such an interesting way to, to spend your time and, and get really addicted into a game where it, it really isn't about, you know, a story. I mean, even though there is like a little bit of a story going on, you can kind of just spend time just building and, and making something. And, and I think that's so inviting to every age. Like it's not limited in any way. But, but I, I just I just got the example of the Sims and Sims Two because when I spoke to uh, to people from all over the world, most gamers I spoke to who who totally loved uh, the Sims but didn't play much of anything else were Brazilian girls. They loved they loved this game. I don't know. It was just my I, perspective. I just used to like making getting like the whole family built up in Sims and then having one person in the yard and building a tiny room around him that he couldn't get out of and just watching him suffer in there for days and days. Uh, oh, no, that's so cruel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I haven't picked up or played Sims in ages. I played it as a teenager, but I haven't played a Sims game in a long time. And that's just because, you know, the game's changed. There's so many games out there now. It's really hard to get your hands on all of them because of time. Mm -hmm. If I had enough time and I didn't have to work... Which is, I mean, when you're a teenager, you're really not working. You get school, and that's about it. And you can lie to your parents that your homework's done. Well, now I can't really lie that my my work <laughs> stuff is done. So we are. I think our games at the moment, like, there's usually about three games at a time that most of us will kind of get addicted to and play. And 
That's kind of my my time right now. I really wanted to play Sims when it just launched again, but I just I don't have the time, man. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's ask how did you actually start to to be a part of the um well the dolls because from from what we read there was actually a different team at the beginning and then there was a new frack dolls team. So I can kind of speak to how I got on the team and then Esper will speak to how she got on the team because everybody's journey to the Fragdolls is very different. Yes, that um, was my idea. That was my idea. <laughs> uh, so we've had over 22 members since 2005. So the team started in about, I'd say, like June 2005-ish. And the original team had about seven to eight people on it. And most of that team stayed around for quite a while. The last original member of that team, her name was Valkyrie. She left in 2013. So I got to work with most of the original team because I started I started in about 2010, and I was an intern before that, so I got to know most of those ladies. But I met them again through the PMS clan. A clan is very different than what the Fragdolls are. Uh, the clan is, you know, you get online, you play with your group. There's actual practice hours. It's about, you know, a community and getting together and really playing, 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 playing. And one of the leaders of the PMS clan, whose name is Valkyrie, um, her and her twin sister started that, and Valkyrie was one of the original members of Fragdolls. So I would watch her at her events and online, and they really kicked ass at Rainbow Six. And me being a Halo player, I looked at Rainbow, I was like, ooh, Rainbow's a fun game. So I started playing Rainbow a lot. And I was like, how awesome is it that there's this girl group out there who is spreading the word of gaming and how much they love gaming. They're partnered with Ubisoft, so they get, you know, they get all the inside scoop on Ubisoft stuff. They get to go to all the events, all the major events, and kind of, you know, just show their, share their expertise with, you know, everybody that goes. And I had never been to an event before, so I thought, this is the best job ever. I'm going to try and apply. And I applied the first time, and when I applied, it was the casting call. So what they did is you had to submit a video. You had to do a marketing interview. Um, you had to do game testing. So it was... It was Pretty much like a three-week course of like, oh my god, I'm not going to get this job. Am I going to get this job? What did I mess up? And then they did, they picked their top 18. So I was in the first group of that top 18. And then they did an online kind of, had people vote for you. Kind of like a popularity contest in a sense. And it wasn't, you couldn't see the numbers. It was all back end, which was really nice. And then I made it kind of out of that next step. And that's when we did the marketing interview. And I failed that marketing interview so bad. I can remember that to this day. Like, they were asking me questions that I was like, I don't know, like, okay. And I just made up random stuff. But um, <laughs> I, I didn't make it that cut. And it's funny because the other day, uh, Esther and I were going through notes, the old team left of when we interviewed. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and some of the stuff that they wrote. But um, I got asked about a month to two months later to be part of a cadet program that they started to kind of just kind of be the test pilot of it. And so I joined the cadet program and it was kind of like an internship we use, it's not, it's not an internship, but it's just the easiest word for us to kind of explain what it is. And so I got to go out to a couple of the events with them. And then after working some of the events, they asked me if I wanted to join the team and I interviewed to join the team and I finally made it. So my process was very, really grueling, but fun. It was probably one of the best experiences of my life and everything that I've done with Fragdolls, I've learned so much from, you know, just the gaming industry to networking to marketing is a huge part of it. And I'm very thankful for everything that I've learned from the team. So that was, that was my story of Fragdolls. Esper's is a little bit different. Yeah. 
like Crystal Crystal was pretty lucky that she only had like maybe like cuz you would say you had like two poss- like chances to get in, right? Overall. So for me, I think I, I third time was the charm. So I was a part of PMS clan as well and I saw this group. I met Psyche. She was one of the she wasn't an original fragdoll, but she was a fragdoll that I ended up meeting at an event called Digital Life. And it was in New York City. And so that was my first event I've ever been to. And I met her and I was like, wow, the fragdolls, they're so, like, they're badass. They're a group of women that are really passionate about games. They kick a lot of ass in all these games. They're super competitive. They're super passionate. And you couldn't help but feel like, wow, I want to be that. Like, I hope so. That's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a fragdoll when I grow up. <laughs> and so. Through that, I ended up applying for the Fragdoll Cadet program, which was really neat. And I had the chance to apply for one of the casting calls, and I did. And I managed to get into the first casting call, but the competitors were just, they were too hardcore. They, they knew their stuff. They were really passionate. Bro. Yeah, they were like, these girls, they knew their stuff. And like, I was, when I was growing up, I was always really kind of shy. Like, I didn't feel very comfortable speaking to people and through the cadet program. And my journey with like, kind of like the internship part of it I really learned how to come out of my shell learn how to speak to people learn to really present myself in a way where you know I can show that I'm passionate about these games that I get to show off and and I failed that first casting call I got invited to another kind of like interview process I failed that one as well and so at this point I was like okay am am I just not meant for this like is this not for me but then finally the third casting call happened we all got flown out to PAX I think it was PAX Prime in Seattle and once again, it was with all these really amazing women. And I think that's the best part about the Fragdolls and the Fragdoll Cadet program is you meet women that are like-minded, passionate, and just super excited to be there. And even if you don't get the Fragdoll job, like you're going to make friends along the way. And I mean, that's what the best part about gaming is for me, is meeting people that love games and being able to talk to them. And that's why I love going to events because how often you know, can you go out and you're like, that person loves the same exact thing I do and they're just as passionate about me. And so I lucked into it. They finally let me, you know, get in the group, the Fragnals. It was a little bit of sucking up, a little bit of competitive gaming. But I finally got there. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and I just feel really blessed. Yeah, uh, Esper so had, <laughs> probably had the um, best journey story of, trying, of getting into the team. It's hard because when we do it, we have over 200 applications every time that we do a cadet casting call or a Fragnall casting call. So times of the past, like, sometimes we'll just hire people that we know are fantastic because there's something that we're looking for. You know, we need a web designer. We need somebody who's fantastic at, you know, this game. Or we need somebody that is really great with social media. So all the girls that have been a part of the team in the past all bring something different and unique. So it's awesome that this is, I think, this, we're down to our smallest team right now. But I, I'm excited for 2015 and ready to see what's going to happen. Well, it's interesting that, that you, Michelle, mentioned that one of the best things about being a part of the Fractals is that you can talk to people who like games as much as you do and you learn to articulate yourself and be a bit more outgoing. That's interesting because when I, when AJ and I, when we were planning to do a special podcast on Let's Plays and gamers, the reaction I mostly got from, well, professional gamers who have YouTube channels and on, they always told me, I'm, I'm too busy, I don't have time, or I don't feel like confident enough to, to talk in English or to, to have a conversation and talk about the profession of, of video gaming. So it's interesting that you guys were instantly well, willing to participate in this, put up with in us. this, um, <laughs> yeah, well, in this podcast, 
this is I think this is pretty very good that you have this that you like to be close to the fans and um, and other people and actually are willing to talk about your experience. Well, there's a lot of um, interaction too with um, you know I, I, in in kind of leading up to this, I've been you know trying to do some research and stuff, and uh, a lot of let's players and and people in this sort of field online they do their thing and that that's about it. And whereas you guys have had like you do live streams on on Twitch and you interact with the people that are that are kind of you know talking in the little chat areas and stuff and. There's a lot of real like interaction with with your your fans and your community that you don't see from a lot of other people. And I think with let's plays and things like that, it's really hard too because if people are going to be working on something, they really want to work on it for themselves, and it's hard trying to get group stuff together or trying to reach out and do do things with other people because they want to benefit only for themselves in a sense because it's a lot of work to do a let's play. I mean, you not only got to record yourself, you mess up, you got to record again. You don't like the way you sounded. You got to do it again, and then you got to learn how to edit. You know, you got or you got to pay somebody to edit. But most of these let's players are doing it all on their own because they don't have the money yet to you know to pay an editor. So learning the editing software then is a lot. And then you know, trying to grow a YouTube channel, we've been trying to do it, and it's difficult. You can't grow it overnight. It's yeah. a lot of work. Um, so that's why we love Twitch so much because it's instant gratification. You just get <laughs> online and you go. But in speaking to that too, like. I think every person, maybe not every person that we've hired, but a lot of the girls that we've hired were very shy at first. And I think oh being gosh, able to work shy. with a like-minded group and see, um, I think live events is where we get the most experience. Because my first event, if you would have thrown me up on a stage on a microphone, I probably would have gotten fired. They'd probably have been like, who hired this chick? <laughs> but, you know, five years later, you could throw me up on a stage in front of a gajillion people and I don't even get, you know, nervous anymore. Unless I'm meeting somebody really cool. Like, I got to do E3 and meet uh, Alexei Puchinov for Tetris, and that, like, I was shaking. I was like, oh, we got to screw this up. <laughs> um, but, I, I, you know, it's it comes with experience and really just opening up, and I think when we're speaking about games, we know what we're talking about, so you don't get as shy, where if you put me on, you know, somewhere in a group of my friends, you know, I call them my real-life friends, and I'm going out, and they're talking about something I don't know about, that's when I shy up, because... I don't feel a part of the group. I don't feel a part of, you know, that community. And when you can feel a part of a community, you can't control the fragdolls because then we're just way too damn loud. <laughs> we get really excited about video games. Like, if you get us in a group, sometimes, like, and if, if we disagree on something specifically, like, it, it can get really loud really quickly just because, yeah. you know, it's, it's our life. That's, that's what we think about. We think about video games all day. We talk about video games all day. We want to share our passion with everyone about video games and once you get you know a couple a couple of us together it gets uh it gets really exciting really <laughs> really explosive like, always yeah. really well, it's really funny fun. too because all the current team right now we all play different games we will get together and play certain games together like h1z1 or minecraft whatever it is but a lot of us are you know strictly on a certain game and we don't play the same games we can still talk about those games like esper for instance play magic i don't know a I don't know anything about magic. If you put me in that magic world, like, I'm so lost, but I'll still follow her around in an event and pretend like, <laughs> pretend like I know what's going on. The show has to tell people she doesn't know what she's doing here. She's just following me. Yeah. Crystal has no idea what I'm doing. She's just sitting there nodding, like, accepting. But, but that's the cool thing because, you know, when it comes down to it, like, in, in a lot of games, you have a goal that you need to reach. And I think that's really easy for everyone to understand, like, 
for magic. It's for me. It's all about winning. And I think I think Siren can appreciate it. And she understands, like, Michelle, do you win? And if I said yes, and of course she's excited for me. Yeah. That's a great feeling. That's actually interesting that you mentioned Tetris because that was also on my list of questions. Because you got to talk to Alexei as well. And he's <laughs> yes, just as yes. nervous. Yes. I talked to Alexei Petritnov, the inventor of Tetris, the creator of Tetris. And I tried to figure out what, what is his plan for the future um, and he said the next big thing would be making a Tetris version for e-gaming, for professional e-gamers, mm. like, like you, for example. And because he said he liked the, the Game Boy version of Tetris, which is the most known one, but he said the two-player mode is not really that good. And we followed track, and actually he released last summer his special e-gamer Tetris version. So my question is, what's your opinion about this? Do you think that e-gaming is getting like serious prime time? And what's your opinion about developers from the 80s actually trying now to focus and re-releasing their products like Tetris to well to uh, complement e-gamers? Well, let's break that into gaming. let's break that into two parts actually because yeah. you know gaming as a as a competitive sport kind of is, is sort of catching on more now than, I, I mean, I, I guess it would, you know, take time to, to catch on since it's fairly new. Because uh, before the eighties, you really couldn't have competitive gaming, but, but a lot of people don't still see it as an actual kind of, um kind of like a sport. It's, you know, you know, you're not going to have, you know, Monday night Warcraft or whatever on, yeah. on TV, but, um, but it, like it, but you know it's it's something that's sort of catching on, and more and more people are doing it, and and there's there's teams and and really good, really talented people that are are getting into this. And so, do you think it's going to become more mainstream as we go along, or or you know, how just what what are your opinions of of competitive gaming as as like a mainstream almost sort of sport thing? I think I can I, talk on this. Oh, yeah. do, do you want to? Okay, so I think uh, I can I talk on you. this. Talking this pretty well because my brother actually plays uh, League of Legends professionally. Hmm. So he, yeah, he plays for Gravity. So he's in the LCS for North America, and he goes by the handle Cop. And so it was really kind of cool seeing his journey from you know I was I was on the Fragile team doing a lot of work like that, and then he started doing all this stuff with League of Legends. You know, he got flown out to live in California. He lives in a gaming house. Like he has almost ninety k followers on Twitter himself, right? Like he has a really great, fantastic fan base, and like. To me, I see it as a sport 100% because, like, the amount of time they spend practicing, the amount of time where they give up their, you know, their personal life to compete and be the best that they can at this at this game is, you know, it's it's really impressive because that, that's his life now. And he, you know, I'm so proud of him because he kicks so much butt. And, you know, I watch the streams every Sunday and it's just like watching, if I was watching football, it's like, to me, it's like the same thing. Like, I'm I'm still cheering for his team and I'm just lucky that I have, you know, my brother representing the family really, really well because he's, he's a fantastic player. And, and I really think it's, it's something that is opening up to the mainstream. Like if you look at how many viewership they get for something like the LCS where it's – the numbers are insane. And it's, you know, every weekend I know a lot of people on Twitter who that's what they do. They, they, they watch LCS. They watch League. And it's something that's growing so vastly and so quickly. Like I know my brother can be out at a store and someone will recognize him. You know, and it's, 
it's 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 crazy and it's really cool that we're getting to experience this and and living in a time where where video games are becoming so mainstream and and esports is something that's definitely picking up a lot of steam. Yeah, and I think to to answer kind of the second question in terms of like publishers and design teams really looking at like hey do we need to add some type of esports aspect to this game? I mean, games have always been competitive. It doesn't matter if that platform wasn't there or not, but that's what makes a game a game. It doesn't matter what type of game you are talking about, but that's... I mean, we saw you can make Minecraft competitive, so we know yeah. every game can <laughs> yeah, be competitive. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's really just making sure that it's done genuinely, and it's not just done like, hey, look what Riot did with League, and we want to try to make our game just as big. Because League kind of... It, it, it's kind of its own world right now. Um I mean, with MLG, back in the day, MLG, we're now seeing kind of a slight decline with MLG, but they were really good at, you know, having Halo, Call of Duty, Rainbow, Smash Brothers, and, you know, those type of events, and then the market crashed really bad, and, you know, unfortunately, it hit the gaming competitive scene a little bit, because sponsors and stuff pulled out money, because they're now like, okay, we got to put our marketing dollars somewhere else. Now that the market is kind of back up, we're seeing it kind of grow again. And again, everybody wants to, to be like, I want that same riot. What, how can we make our game just as big as League as in eSports? It needs to be genuine. It needs to come from the community. It needs to be kind of a natural thing that happens. I mean, we saw Call of Duty this summer was at the X Games, which is pretty crazy because they're putting Call of Duty now you know, against all these guys who are doing some pretty badass stuff with their bodies in terms of X Games. And then we have gamers sitting down, but they're doing a lot of stuff that's mental, but both those people, you know, even if you're trying to get a gold medal skateboarding, or you're trying to get a gold medal from playing Call of Duty, you know, the time that goes into training is exactly the same. You know, one might be a little bit harder on the body, but the, the gamers are, you know, they're using a lot of their mind and, you know, they're still putting their body into sitting at a chair all day. It hurts, man. There's, there's no stamina involved with, with you know, a practice, practice, practice session when I was competing in a... Warcraft 3 Dota, like, I would practice 11 hours a day. And, uh, you know, that's that's a good deal of time. And, and afterwards, like, it takes a toll on your body. You know, you sit in your chair every day for 11 hours. You need you need your breaks. You need to, like, stand up, stretch it out. Because it's mentally exhausting. It's, it's physically tiring, even though it's not, you know, it's not running or doing these crazy sports. It's, it's still, it still can physically take its toll on you. And, yeah, and you got to take care of your body to make sure that your mind is, you know, up to par to, to continue the way that you've always competed. But I think we're going to see a lot of the developers always look at, okay, how can we make this an eSports game? You're going to see that in pretty much every publisher that comes out with games this year and continuing. Um, does it mean they're all going to be successful? No, because you need a very good community base around it. To have something be competitive, not only do you need players to want to play it and be competitive and put that time in, but you also need people watching. Because if nobody's watching, I mean, what's the point of really having it be competitive you know right, um, it, it's not going to grow I mean you'll see it you'll still see the, you'll still see it there but for it to be successful you got to have both sides so you really got to think of when people are developing their game okay if someone doesn't think that they're good enough to play this what is going to make them want to watch what is going to make them want to stay but I, I think every developer right now is really thinking about that and when I say every obviously not every single one is but people who weren't thinking about it in the past definitely are now yeah, like the Tetris guy, which was very surprising for me. I was like, wow, Tetris, competitor, gaming, like wow. special e-gaming edition, you know? I can, I well, can kind of see It makes sense. It makes total sense. We actually, so when I got to work with his team, um, it was at E3, and Ubisoft came out with Tetris Ultimate this year. 
So we did some stuff, brought people up on stage, and we were actually, after we were done, you know, talking to him on stage, and we had people come up on stage and 1v1 each other on stage in front of E3, in front of everybody, you know? So, like, that in itself is kind of huge to be like, okay, not only do I want to try to, you know, beat my competitor next to me, I have, a, you know, a thousand people watching me right now because um, it's E3 and E3 is huge. Right. And people, I, we brought up all types of people. We brought up people who actually are part of a community called Hard Drop who they literally compete and just play Tetris 24-7. And then we brought up people who maybe casually played it. So we try to, you know, reach out to everybody and get everybody up on stage. And, um, you know, people were excited to be able to, to play a game already new and be pitted against somebody else. So Tetris is a fantastic game at that. I mean, some of the guys that are professional in that, it's mind-boggling how good they are at that. Oh, I was like, good. I'm good. And then I get my butt kicked by, like, random little nine-year-olds. So it's... Yeah, it's crazy. yeah. I wish uh, I want to. I want to enroll my my grandmother in that because she's a Tetris beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to see Tetris at a competitive level, you should watch some of the Frag Dolls when we when we play Tetris. It gets it gets pretty hectic. Uh, there's a lot of passion, between, you know, between all of us when it comes to Tetris. So I I would really uh-huh. love to see something specifically for Tetris for for esports because I know a couple people on the team like Crystal, for example, or Siren. She'd be all over that. You know, I'll see, you know, Siren training 11 hours a day to be the Tetris. Yeah, <laughs> the best Tetris. Yeah, there's, there's three of us on the team that love our Tetris, and we get, I mean, we're not the best. I mean, we're pretty decent, but we get, we get mean to each other. <laughs> <laughs> we play together, and it's like, we, we are very good at talking trash, our team, in a positive way, if there's yeah, such a thing. That's, a, that's an important part of any competitive sport. Is so, so did you did you actually play the the official e gaming version of Tetris yet? Um, I have not. No, I've okay. been addicted to my Tetris Ultimate. I play. I fly a lot, so my okay. 3ds and my Tetris Ultimate are like my best friend. So you you mentioned people watching you while you were playing on E three and so on, but um, what is the reason that let's plays yeah, Same, this is so, this is um, kind of an interesting lady. thing because Let's Plays have blown up in the past maybe two years, I guess. And I mean, there's there's a lot of there's if you you, you do a search on Google and you find you know a thousand and five different people making making Let's Plays, and some of them are entertaining um, okay. if they're if they're well edited and cut and whatnot, and and some of them are not so entertaining. I I in in honor of this podcast, I attempted to make a Let's Play in which I tried to play Call of Duty, and that was just a miserable, <laughs> miserable experience. Yeah. So I think I think I might switch over to, like, Kim Kardashian Hollywood for the next one because that's more on my level. You love that game. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a judge-free zone, you know, whatever you're into, you're yeah, into. Yeah, you know. It's, I, I, I couldn't... Think, oh, sorry, I was going to say, with, with that topic, that answer is going to be different from everybody that watches them. Yeah. Because... I watch them for one reason. Esper might watch them for another reason. And somebody else might watch them for, you know, a third reason. But I think with Let's Plays, there's two things that majority of people like to watch them for. One is they really want to learn or cheat with the game that they're playing, right? You get uh-huh. stuck on something and you're like, damn it, how do I do this? Sweet, let's go to YouTube and find out. Or Like long, like, like long plays. Yeah. Um, or, okay, you, you got stuck on a level. Because I had to do that with Limbo. The entire time I played Limbo, I cheated the whole time on YouTube. Not going to lie. <laughs> Um, and then people also like to see, okay, strategy, you know, maybe for Call of Duty, for instance, like, what is it that makes 
um, you know, this player's so good. What weapons is he using? What strategy is he using for certain maps? I think the second thing is really about personality, right? You have PewDiePie out there who's one of the best and largest, best um, Let's Play YouTubers out there, and it's because he's hilarious, and he'll play all different types of games. So a lot of people just go to watch his stuff because he's funny, and it's entertaining, and instead of watching TV, they rather watch PewDiePie play um, Birthing Simulator or whatever it is that he's doing. So I think it really kind of depends on the person you speak to. Yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of valid because I, I like, you know, uh, James Rolfe, uh, the angry video game nerd. You know, one of the, my, my favorite things about watching that is is sharing, is, is understanding that somebody else shares the frustration that I shared with so many of these these older games that were just mm-hmm. terrible. And and to watch him, you know, to watch someone be like, oh my, you know, fail at the same part of the game, be like, oh, I did the same thing, you know, 23 years ago or you know, it's 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 it probably is a very you know it's a yeah. individualized thing. Mm-hmm. You well, know and technology too is there now, mm-hmm. like it wasn't in the yeah. past, right? You know what it reminds me of when you're younger and you would invite your friends over to play video games, right? And yeah. so God, there's someone yeah. that has to sit there and and watch, right? And so I was thinking about this yesterday when I was streaming. I was like, why are why are people you know watching me play? When I think about it, it's like me hanging out with my friends and we're talking about these games. We're having a discussion about them. And, it, and it's just like that. It's, it's the same thing. You're, you're sitting there. You're hanging out with your friends. You're playing games. You know, I, personally, I did hog the controller when I was growing up. So I it, still it, do. It's, <laughs> I still do. <laughs> so it, it's just like when I was younger. And I'd be like, hey, person at school, let's come to my house. I'm going to let you watch me play video games because I'm awesome. And, and <laughs> I mean, I'm not as awesome as some of these other, you know, YouTubers and, and Let's Players. And so it, that's what it reminds me of. I'd go to my friend's house and watch them play games or... You know, it's it's this really great thing that we all can get together on and, and experience and have a great time with. Right, yeah, there's a social, certain social aspect. I can remember being younger and uh, uh, two of my friends and I would kind of gather and we'd, we'd get through Legend of Zelda because we'd, you know, I couldn't get past this part, but they could, you know, so we'd kind of switch off. And my brother and I did that with, uh, oh, good God, this is dating me too, is uh, like Donkey Kong Country on the Super NES you know, we'd kind of hand off if one of us couldn't handle the other part, you know, and it was it was kind of a social, I, I think it made it a little bit more fun just having somebody there to mock you if you're doing badly. And, <laughs> or help you, or help yeah, you. Yeah, exactly, yeah, or help. But yeah, there is a certain kind of social aspect to it. And I mean, of course, we have this advantage nowadays that, that we have the internet, so you can... Watch people for um, from all over the world, and this PewDiePie, I think, was his name again, PewDiePie. right? PewDiePie, yeah, he is so famous because he gets frightened so easily. Yeah, it's all entertainment. I don't even know if he really gets that scared. He just knows what people like to right. watch. Right. It's acting. Yeah. It's that he's a fantastic. I mean, maybe he does get really scared. I don't know. I'd hate to be his girlfriend if we were out and someone, <laughs> you know, like be like, this kid can't protect me. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the tech is there now, too. It's like anything, like when TV first came out, right? And it's the same thing. TV blew up, right? And it's still huge. And now that the internet is so easy, I mean, you still obviously got to pay your, your cable provider or whoever to get your internet. But it's so easy for people to have internet in their house. And computers and consoles and things like that are becoming more mainstream. I mean, stuff is still quite expensive, but right. it's, it's in everybody's, it's almost in everybody's home. So... For Let's Plays, things like that. It's just another source of media, and I, I love it. I'm glad it, it's, it is getting as big as it is, because I think from here it's only going to get bigger, and it's just a different way for people to be entertained. Yeah, and that is kind of also um, in, in how we're sort of 
replacing mainstream media with with the internet. I I don't even have a TV in my house. You know, everything I I get is is off of the internet. You know, Netflix and YouTube and and whatever. So it's it's we're, there's really kind of a, a shift at this point where uh, hell we're doing a podcast right now for the internet. You know, it's not even going to be on real radio. It's you know it, it, it's yeah. It's, it's, and, and you guys, again, uh, you, you recruited from a, for, from a reality show online, uh, back in 06, I think I read. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there is a definite shift towards, towards this media kind of being internet based rather than, than traditional. Well, I think Twitch kind of replaced that in a way. Did it? Twitch is getting pretty big yeah, when it comes okay. to replacing TV. I mean, back in the day, you had TV shows about video games. Now you have Twitch. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, that's true. Like, G4 is not even around anymore, which is yeah. unfortunate. But, I mean, in a sense, it's true. Like, you can do everything that G4 did and put it on Twitch. You know what I mean? And make it more you convenient. You're gonna reach, yeah, you're going to reach way more audiences. Because G4, I know when G4 came out, I didn't have it on... Um, I don't remember who I had, DirecTV or whoever it was at the time, but I couldn't even watch it because it wasn't on, or like it wasn't provided to me in my package of whatever TV service I had. Mm-hmm. I remember being like, damn, that sucks. Oh, well. And so I never watched G4 unless I was at his friend's <laughs> house. Um, where Twitch, like, again, if you have the internet access or you got it even on your phone, just yeah. it's mobile, like, you can watch whoever you want, whenever you want. Right. Well, that was also something we, we, um, we checked out prior to this interview your your Twitch channel. It appears to have something like guests invited to the shows sometimes. I feel like we're acting like we've been stalking them for the past week. Like, yeah, so we were checking out your <laughs> channel and, you know, we looked at this and looked at that. and Yeah, but, you know. As long as you hit that follow button, we're yeah, fine with yeah, it, you yeah. know? Like, that's, that's yeah. what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our Twitch stuff changes. So if you go to our Twitch page... um, which it's uh, twitch.tv forward slash ragdolls. You scroll down on anybody's Twitch page and they could kind of put who they are, what they do, a schedule. And so we have a schedule up there. Um, our Twitch kind of schedule changes each week. Um, the schedule is the same. but So, like, for instance, you'll see, you know, on Monday you'll see our Minecraft Monday. On Tuesday you'll see days and seltzer streaming. And then on Wednesday... You'll see, like, a community kind of fun. We call it Fragdal um, practice, but we're not really practicing. It's just a way for us to to get together and hang out and play games as a group. Mm-hmm. And then on Thursdays, we do a live show. So we try to keep the live show, and it's it's literally what it is. It's the live podcast. People can kind of watch us get, to, you know, top news that has to do with gaming. Sometimes we'll add in stuff that has to do with mass media, so movies, things like that. Ice cream. Ice cream. I, yeah, as for like sad in a food topics, which I love. Um, but if somebody, if one of the fried dolls is gone, then we offer for them to reach out to a community member or a guest that has something to do with Twitch or has to do with gaming in some type of way. Um, and so this week I was ditched. Everybody was gone except for Seltzer. So we reached out to our mods, who you know, the people that mod our channel, and it kind of was a way to give back to them. And you never know what you're going to get when you bring guests on. Either they talk or <laughs> they are silent. So it's kind of like crossing your fingers of hoping they'll be able to be a good guest. But our Twitch, I love our Twitch. That's where it's the easiest way for us to reach out to our community. Um, they can now, ask us questions and get answers real time. I can understand that because actually when we did that um, 
that podcast with Cinemaware, you know, Rocket Ranger, Defender of the Crown and so on from the 80s. And when I talked to them on the podcast, speaking about that my grandfather was a video game player and he played games with me, they actually invited me to their Twitch channel, to the Twitch show. I was like, oh my God, I'm, 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 um, I'm live, I have to shave, I have to make my hair. People are looking at me and I'm, I'm a guest <laughs> and I'm supposed to say something intelligent and live. Uh, so it's really a, enormous pressure as a guest to to be to be a good guest on a Twitch show. So yeah, once it's on the internet, it's on the internet forever. Yeah. Even yeah. if you delete your Twitch content, if you don't have it set up to like save people. Man, we get gifts all the time that are sent. Like, like, dang it, you just took like the worst one of me. Now it's gonna <laughs> live on the internet for the rest of my life <laughs> forever. I mean, even this podcast, for instance, like once it's on there. What's on the internet? It is on the internet, so watch out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, we don't have to worry. I mean, there are two things. What we do is um, three things, actually, because people always ask us about when will it be on the internet, how will it be, and so on. So what we do actually the is... The answer is, I don't edit. know, we don't know, and we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. This is We are totally professional and planned. Don't worry about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so... On the recent podcast, we had like 600 visitors per day, you know. And I was like, oh my God, you know, um, though this is amazing. And suddenly we have like 2,000 within a half a day on, our, on one YouTube video we did and so on. So it's really exploding. It's really getting intense on the terms of visitors per, per day. So it's really working working uh, some, well with us. Somehow, inexplicably, people want to listen to us, and I'm not really sure why. <laughs> yes! You guys are awesome, I mean, that's why. I mean, no. I mean, yeah. Well, I don't know if you follow the statistics of your stuff, but um, how, how do you actually do that? I mean, do you follow statistics and look, look up what, what is going better, what is going worse on terms on the topics you talk about or you're, you're doing a video about? Or do you do this thing totally random? Uh, we, we definitely look at analytics and stats and all that fun stuff. Um, that's Esper's area of expertise. Like We've done things in the past. Uh, we used to do this thing on Fridays, a video series of all the greatest, latest news. And unfortunately, if you don't work for a news media site, people don't stuff. So it was just a little bit harder, and we we're like, "Hey, this idea didn't work. Let's try another idea." So we definitely look at that. It's so okay. important towards anything, like it, even even a social media post, like like knowing your audience and knowing what will get shared the most. You can you can see all that by by the numbers that you get. Thankfully, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, any any social media site, and I'm sure a lot of you know like the sites you guys are using for your podcast. Like you can see all these analytics, and and it helps you know exactly what your audience wants, and maybe. Maybe like a nice way to ease into other topics that you might not have thought they liked and kind of doing like a, it's like a, a practice, you know, yeah. you actually get a C if you get an A or, you know, maybe you got like a C. So maybe, maybe next time you might change something a little bit to make it an A, which is uh, it's always a lot of fun. Well, speaking about statistics and so on, from what we figured, the most, the most um, watched ones were the one about retro gaming. So we talked a lot about Minecraft and um, Halo and so on. Which, which, that's a question. How do you yeah. make Minecraft competitive? <laughs> I've never, I, I'm one of those, the, the people so that have not ways. played it yet. So I have, I, I'm a holdout. I have not touched the game yet. 
Shell can speak to, or Esper can speak to, like, what we had to do, that we were like, what the hell are you guys making us play? Because we were doing it for children's hospitals. Mm -hmm. They didn't want first-person shooters. They needed games that were geared towards kids, so that's how Minecraft got involved. But there's different servers that you can join that people create these massive worlds and these games inside the game that you can do to make it competitive. But Yeah, you can play the Hunger Games games. games. Yeah, yeah, you could, you could actually game. play. You could play the Hunger Games in Minecraft, if if that doesn't give you an idea of how competitive it can get. But Dang. so we we got to do something called the Race to the Nether, and so basically what you're doing is you're you're making a Nether portal, and you start off in a completely brand new world. You have nothing, and you have to find all these different materials to make this Nether. And so it's kind of like um, a time trial. Some of it's based on luck. Some of it's based on skill. A lot of it's based on like previous knowledge. So. I will say, uh, Siren and I were studying pretty late that night, like <laughs> learning how to race to the nether, and it was it was really cool just because like you actually had to take a lot into, you know, you you know you remember quite a bit of stuff to make it happen, and even though some of it did come down on luck, it was very competitive because everyone was like freaking out, like someone already did it, and like only the top six people got points, and you know like Siren was doing really good, but she couldn't find the material that she needed to make this nether portal. So she was pissed. freaking out. Yeah, she was really mad. <laughs> and, like, I got really lucky because I found everything I needed super quickly, and I was, like, freaking out because I wasn't sure how to do it. But, yeah, it was it was very competitive. Everyone was freaking out. I will say everyone was definitely freaking out. And I think the thing that was even more crazy about that tournament is we played five different games. There was games there that we excelled in, and there was games there that we never touched, like Minecraft. They the 12 streamers that were with us for that event, half of them were YouTube, Twitch, Let's Players for Minecraft. So we were already from the start like, oh my god, we're going to get crushed for Minecraft. Zero points. But Esper came in third for Minecraft. Yep, I did it. Okay. Not she researched it and learned it. Like, I was like, that. I was so happy for her. Like, you beat people <laughs> who have over a million followers on YouTube for Minecraft, and you just beat one of them. I was so happy. I was like, get some. It goes you gotta study your stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Knowledge of one's opponent, and, and yep. so forth. Yeah, well, so you mentioned you mentioned the social aspect about a child hospitals and so on. Tell us a bit about more about that. So Fragdolls have been apart for the last four years. Um, our kind of three things that we try to focus on throughout the year is content, charity, and just gaming for all, for everybody. And so Charity, the last four years, it's a program called Extra Life. So it's extra-life.org. And this charity is kind of blown up through the last couple of years through gaming and through gamers. Um, people like you and me who have really made a difference for these children's hospitals. So it's based in Canada and um, the U.S. And what you can do is go to their website and sign up. And once you sign up, you're pledging that you're going to game for 24 hours. So think of like a jogathon in it, it, to kind of compare. And you get um, donations from friends or families or people maybe watching your Twitch streams. And the cool thing about it is I live in San Diego. So I picked, you know, my children's hospital in San Diego for my funds to go to. And, you know, Esper lives somewhere up in NorCal and she could pick a hospital that's close to her. So there's over 170 hospitals. So whatever money that you're raising, you can keep it local, which is amazing. But we've been a part of that charity for about four years. And this last year, they did a big tournament for 63 people to come out. We went to Disney World, and we actually got to meet some of these kids firsthand and try to compete to raise funds for their hospital. So it's, it's an amazing program. I think you guys, if you don't know anything about it, you really need to check it out. And maybe if you love retro gaming, 
you can actually do, you know, your own charity kind of fundraiser around retro gaming. You can do it around tabletop gaming. It could be actual gaming, um, video games. It could be anything that has to do with games. If you can't do 24 hours in one sitting, that's totally fine. We break ours up. You know, we do four hours here, five hours there. Mm. Um, any way that you want to do it. If you don't even want to game the 24 hours and just raise funds, you can do that too. So it's, it's amazing, and I think Esper and I were very lucky to be a part of that event they had because it was the mm-hmm. first year they did it back in November to meet these kids that you're raising funds for. You know, some of them had kidney transplants, and some of them have cancer, and they're not going to be, you know, here in a couple of years, and it, it really hits home when you see that firsthand. And the hospitals are all really great. Like, I got to go to a tour of the hospital here in San Diego and meet other extra lifers, you know, who participate in it. It's, it's life-changing, so I... I love and I will plug them as much as I can because it's it's gamers making a difference, you know, one kid at a time. That is awesome. That is so, awesome. That's, that's something that I would actually kind of... Well, yeah, you guys I, should definitely check it out. Check it out. I suck at Send games. Send us the links, definitely. I, I'm looking at the link right here. I'm, I, I, and you have I, to join the Fragdal team. Just saying. Yep, you have to join our we'll team. Okay. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm awful at gaming, but you know it's it's this. You is don't have to be good. This, you don't have true. to be good. Hey, yeah, and you know it doesn't matter. You can just tell people you're a part of this. Yeah. You know, put it on social media, and so we we try to raise funds through Twitch. It's the easiest way for us to do it. We give away prizes and fun things like that, but. Hmm. We we love our extra life. It, it is seriously such an amazing program. Like that weekend in Orlando, there was so many tears that you just shed just because like it's it's so inspiring what these kids go through and and just knowing that we even have the chance to raise money for them, like I feel very lucky even even that we we do that. And, and they all got the PS4. Talk about that. Yeah. Man. Oh my gosh. Like, okay. Oh so they had like this really amazing award ceremony where they they gave all these, you know, these kids that have gone through some really, you know, crazy life experiences where they've been in hospitals their whole lives and and they got to have all these awards given to them for being you know strong and and doing what they need to do and at the end of it uh sony actually donated playstation 4s to every kid that was there and like seeing how excited these kids were about getting their hands on on a ps4 like it made me cry because like you kind of take for granted like you know i have my my xbox one i have my ps4 i have all my you know my 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 gaming rig and all this stuff but like seeing how how thankful they were for one console like it it just kind of like breaks your heart a little bit because like it's it's so inspiring like i don't know it was just such an inspiring weekend and, and seeing their joy they were so thankful or PlayStation Four, like so thankful, like it was, it was really like just mind blowing that whole whole experience. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean to put a, a child in a hospital who has cancer, the treatments that they have to go through, the amount of money that these parents have to pay for this, you know, the last thing that the parents are thinking about is when are we going to get this kid a PS Four, you know? So it it really gave them a chance for that event to get away from their life at the moment and be a part of something great and experience life as a kid for once, you know. What's better than getting a PS4 and being at Disney World and being around other kids who are going through the same thing as you? Yeah. yeah. I hope we go next year. Like, I, if we don't go next year, I'm just going to fly myself out there on my own and just, like, sit there because it's amazing. There was one question I wanted to ask Michelle, by the way. You mentioned your brother being a gamer. So he does this for a living? Yes. Yeah, so he lives in a, a house with his team, and they get paid a salary. They compete every weekend. And they train pretty much every single day, which is, is I mean, he, you know, he gave up his, 
his life to, to compete. And I mean, now he has this new life in competitive gaming and it's just, it's really inspiring. Like I can't say enough how proud I am of my brother for following his dreams and, and kicking a lot of butt in, in league and, and being a fantastic, you know, representative for gamers everywhere because he, he's such a fun spirit. He's so into it and he's so passionate about it. And it's, it's amazing. What I also wanted to ask you, um, we, we, we talked about the newer games. What's your opinion about retro gaming? Because, AJ and I, we figured, especially in the past five years, um, a lot of companies from the 80s and 90s are recreated and um, re, well, how to say, re-release the latest, ga uh, the, the older games from the 80s and 90s as new versions. Remastering them and, and you yeah. know, new like, graphics, like new Wings, audio. And like Wings from the Mika or like Rocket Ranger from the NES and uh, C64 and and so on. What's your opinion about this? I love it. Anything that's remastered is amazing because it's awesome to be able to experience something that maybe you didn't get to experience because you were maybe too young at the time. It's like classic movies, right? When you see a classic, you're like, oh, this is cool. But I think for me, it's being able to see some of those older games that maybe I never really got into or didn't see or games that I absolutely spent hours and hours on, kind of bringing them out again kind of can build that community around that game again. I think it's I think it's great. I still like to see new stuff too, obviously, but I love anything that's remastered. I love that speed running is such a big thing now too. Like if you uh, watch, watch people speed run through games that like I haven't touched some of these games in a really long time and someone, you know, can they can beat it in, in eight minutes, you know, and it's it's just really cool that that that's also bringing to attention a lot of these like older games because speed runnings are freaking awesome and I love watching them and It's, it's amazing what people can do with games that I remember certain parts of games that I, I was stuck on for days and I could never figure it out. And then people get it done in three seconds, you know. And you were like, wow, that easy it is to beat the game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <no>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but how many hours did they put into learning how to speed run that? Probably thousands of hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, would like, I would like to know um, if, if we can... Well, pick up something that was controversial about the fractals question, and that was how independent do you feel or think you are? Because you are hired by Ubisoft, and we figured uh, from the articles that that we read and when we did the research that a lot of other gamers were well talking about how independent you are. If that question Scare me is with the word controversial. <laughs> Yeah, there's actually no controversy to it at all. He scared me a little bit with that, too. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, I don't think there's any controversy to it at all. I mean, we've been around for 10 years. I'm, I'm eating my Valentine's candy right now. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's It's okay. So no good. problem. Um, <laughs> And happy Valentine's think, Day. Yeah. Yay, happy Valentine's Day. I think Ubisoft is actually very smart in what they did with the Fragdoll team. Um, the team has changed quite a bit in the last 10 years. When they first brought, brought on 10 years ago, it was more like contract work, right? So they weren't employees. It was very different. It was just like this group they created. They saw how successful it was, and over the years, we're now full-fledged Ubisoft employees, which is amazing because we get all the benefits of a Ubisoft employee would. But Ubisoft understands, like, hey, we're going to hire these gamers to come on and help us market games and play our games. We can't just have them playing Ubisoft games because if they're only playing Ubisoft games, like, is there any truth to this, you know? Is it, is, do they really like these games, or is it because we're paying their paycheck? So they do let us and allow us to play the games that we love. So when you come to any of our channels or any of our social media, you're going to get true and honest and you're going to get our opinions, which is amazing because 
we're not going to sit there and say this game's amazing if it's not. And we can play everything. We play, I mean, as you said, we've already said like a thousand times, we play Minecraft. I think Esper and I have been addicted to H1Z1. We just love yes. to run around and kill <laughs> random people and laugh. And when it happens back to us, we cry. But we really are experts in all gaming. You know, I might not be an expert on this, but I can so, yeah, yeah. We really do. We have, we have a series called Fragdolls Play where we, we pretty much pick a different game each week and we all play through it. And we've done stuff like, you know, Disney's Frozen Double Trouble, <laughs> like uh, a Frozen like online game that is so random and, and really strange to, I'm like flipping through right now, we've played forest. The Evil Within, The Forest, um, Alien Isolation, Five Nights at Freddy's, which is definitely... A horrifying game. <laughs> you know, we've we we played through so many different games, and and we're really lucky to be in this position where you know we can we can talk about the games that we love. And I know it's just really I feel really blessed to be able to do this and just you know share love. It's about sharing the love of gaming, right? Like that's that's the most important thing. Like we're just stoked about playing games, and we're happy to happy to do that all day and every day. Yeah, we got very lucky with with our jobs, and I'm very grateful for that. And I think too. Um, the things that we have coming up this year, like, we're going to be, I mean, we've got Rainbow and some other games, The Division, and some of these games that are coming out that are games that actually are very geared towards what we love and what we're passionate about. So I'm excited to be able to jump back up on Rainbow because it hasn't been out in years, and I've just been waiting for it to come out. I'm like, come on, you guys, can we get this game out? This is a game that I used to play hours and hours on. Um, but it's amazing, you know, what they do. I don't even think we can say really more to that aspect. Yeah, well, there's also, you know, we, we've covered... I guess it was with Cinemaware that we were talking about um, competition between game producers or, or, or yeah, I, I, you know, the the game uh, game companies doesn't necessarily exist because they all know what they're going for, and it's not like they're doing the same game. It's not like it's not like they're going to lose customers because this company put this game out. You know, it's like it's it's everyone can kind of like everything or or dislike everything if they feel like it. Yeah. Like, uh, well, and, and, and the fractals are really here for community. It's really about community. So with any community, everybody doesn't like the same thing, right? Like right. we're all different people. So when it comes to hiring, you know, team members to anything, we try to really hire people with all different types of backgrounds because our community, we love our community. We want to be able to relate to our community. And I think the biggest thing is we all like different stuff. So it's nice to have the Fragdolls be around to really, you know, talk about anything. It's not segregated to just one group. We really want to try to encompass anybody and everybody to be, you know, a part of this community. Yeah, well, to back this up, when, when, we, when we talked to, um, to 3D Realms, which, which was our last podcast, they were actually talking about that they, that they followed the Kickstarter of Twinkled Park from Ron Gilbert, the new adventure game from the Maniac Mansion creator. And they, they even followed the stuff from, from Cinemaware. So it's like, like every community from, from the company or the, the developers, they, they follow what the other companies are doing. And it's interesting to see that in the first perspective, they also seem to be gamers and they also play and support other companies' games. So this is kind of backing up what you, when you said you're not only playing Ubisoft games, but also from the other companies. So, and um, and I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that you are really independent and can do your own stuff. So it feels like Ubisoft picked up the feedback from from the early days and gave us you you more freedom. 
if I understood correctly. Was there correct. feedback in the early days? Was there? Um, no, honestly, it's been the same for the last 10 years. I just think people don't really understand or know, so it's just us educating people. I mean, the internet is, well, I'm a troll by heart, so <laughs> I know exactly how trolls work because I am one myself. So you're not going to make everybody happy, you know, and unfortunately not everybody knows their stuff when they start to troll. So I think we're still going to get that criticism. We're still going to get the haters, but we deal with it, you know, the best way that we can. And you know what? We actually, our best motto is turn those haters into lovers. And we're really good at doing that on Twitch when people come in and start talking trash. And we are just so nice to them that they end up staying and, Wow. You know, we can't do that with everybody. You know, some leave, but we really do. You know what it's like to, to talk smack and then be like, oh, crap, I made a mistake. I'm not right. right. So we don't, we don't hate on people for doing that. You know, we, we accept the trolls. I want all the trolls on my side. Nice. Well, and because you, you, you said we, we, should, we should come and um, take part, well, of course, I would be willing to be a guest in your Twitch show if you really want to have me. I would totally oh, be, so I would um, totally volunteer. So yeah. <laughs> you just have to be able to talk about ice cream with a lot of passion. That's the only thing that I ask. That that I can do. I'm yes, ice cream, no problem, no problem. <laughs> I just don't like, I don't trust, don't like the ones with alcoholic flavor and um, peppermint. Awesome they make about. alcoholic ice cream. Yeah, they yeah. do. Why have I not heard of this? I need to find this immediately. <laughs> I was actually at a party where they were doing, um, you guys seen that like Sub-Zero, like new ice cream where they put everything together and then they like freeze it on the spot? No, no, I haven't. Yes, uh, I sure have. <laughs> they started doing that with alcohol and ice cream. I, I, that sounds I don't want to mix the two, but I guess it could be. So what did you talk about in the last podcast? Well, we talked with the Freck Dolls about ice cream. Yep. Oh, yeah. yep. <laughs> hey, we're trying to reach all audiences here, right? Right? Yeah. Something for everybody. Ice, ice cream, cream is important. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, well, I don't know how much you know about this, but one bullet on our list we wanted to shoot is... Do you know anything about Ubisoft who acquired, like, Blue Byte, the German company, in 2001? In 2001, I was still a child, um, <laughs> which is sad to say, but I was still, like, in high school in 2001. So, to be honest with you, when it comes to that acquisition, like, I know about it because I know that we've done stuff with Blue Byte, but anything that I've ever done with them, they were a Ubisoft studio. So, I don't know them prior to that. So I can't really speak to it in terms of that, but I'm, we, throughout the years, have acquired other different, you know, dev studios and other software, you know, companies, and it's, I mean, we are worldwide, and that's what I love about Ubisoft. We are literally everywhere. Um, we have over 26 development studios. Our largest one is in Montreal. They, they employ over 2,000 people, which is insane, because, like, I can barely keep track of the people I work with. Just think about being in a studio with 2,000 people. Um, it's, that's massive, right? But I mean, we, holiday we party. <laughs> yeah, holiday party, but I, you know, it's great that we have a presence in Germany because I think we need a presence everywhere. And one of Ubisoft's focuses, you can get ideas from all different, it's everything goes back to all different types of people, right? So it's the same thing with developing when you want to develop, if you can get somebody in Germany, somebody in San Francisco, somebody in Singapore to all work on a game together. You're getting all different types of ideas. And Ubisoft is very much about when creating games, 
you know, reaching out to all the different development studios. So that's why you'll see when we make a game, there's more than one, usually, dev studio on it from Ubisoft. And it's, it's really that interaction and, you know, getting ideas from all different types of, you know, people and walks of life. And, and I think it's great to work for a company like that. You know, that's something that we've heard uh, a couple of times now in, in some of these podcasts. You know, uh, we work, you know, we talk to 3D Realms, we talk to CinemaWare, and they're, both of them said almost the identical thing that, They've got people all over the world. Everyone is part of the team, but they might have someone in South America or they might have someone in, in Europe and, and in the U.S. And, and all that. But it's, it's the ability to get all these different groups of people from all over the planet to work on one thing has been a huge, I, I guess, benefit for, you know, game development. Yeah. I mean, cause there's so many different cultures behind it, you know, how, I mean, obviously even just between us here, right? The three of us right. are from the States. George, you're from Germany. Like, just our cultures are different. And when it comes into designing and art and things like that, it's awesome to be able to pull in art from all over the world um, and ideas. So I think it's fantastic. Um, I would love to go to our Ubisoft studio out in um, Abu Dhabi because I would love to go to the Middle East. I'm just, like, crossing my fingers. Like, it's so badass. We have a studio out there. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I, I think... I think it's just very smart. I mean, we're we're a very large publisher, so obviously you're going to see that growth. But it's amazing that they haven't stayed in just one, you know, country. It's just expanded. And another thing we had on the list is the cadet program. Yeah. So you guys, you recently, uh, you're you're down to to five or four or we're at five. Guys? You're at five. So are you are you looking for someone new? Is yeah. So this this year, it's we really don't know. Um, our events, usually we would be going out to PAX pretty soon, just a couple of weeks, and unfortunately we're not going to be there. So we didn't really need the, the staffing for that event, so we've kind of put it on hold for that. The program is absolutely amazing, so maybe Esper, you can kind of speak to cadets, because um, we used you quite a bit when you were in cadets, and I know it, it's just a fantastic program in that sense. Um, when it comes to hiring, I guess I could say we're always looking for people, is it, you know, is it going to be this month? Who knows? Is it going to be two months from now? I don't know. But we are always looking for people. So I think that's probably the one question we get the most is like, when are you guys hiring? I want to be when a friend. Yeah. It's, and it's <laughs> good look out on social media. I will say that. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen this year. I just don't know when. And we really like people who stick around all year and not just when we're hiring. When it comes into that aspect, we like people who are part of our community. But I mean, if you want to talk about the cadet program. Yeah, the cadet program is really fantastic. So basically, it, it gives you know women the opportunity to learn more about the gaming industry. So we used to have a bunch of courses and stuff that they could take, and we would have you know really great discussions on, like for example, brand development or um, social media, and you know different ways to get your name out there. Or maybe you know maybe you are passionate about esports, so maybe we can introduce you to people that can maybe help you get you know on your way in that in that case. And it's really amazing seeing how many amazing women we've had go through this program and how many of them now have jobs in the gaming industry. Like, I think, I would say probably, like, more than 50% of of the people that I've met through this program, they have jobs now at different um, game studios or their social media managers for for a different developer. Like, it's just crazy that it was such a fantastic stepping stone for a lot of people, and I definitely consider it a great stepping stone. And it's also, it's kind of like, I wouldn't say sorority, but in a way it almost is, you know, like we're, we're all sisters. We, we all love the same things. We're passionate about the same things and we all want to learn about it. And we all, I think the end goal for a lot of us was 
I want to work in the gaming industry one day, but how do I get there? And I know that's a question that we get a lot of times too on Twitch and on social media. It's like, how can I get a job in the gaming industry? Well, you know what? We want to help guide you. We want to help teach you. So, so is there any email address we should mention on the podcast page where people can contact you for the well for being a fractal or something? I think it's just really looking at social media and things like that. We do have an email address for cadets, but I wouldn't email that. I would really just stay tuned to when we announce anything, we announce it for a couple of weeks. It's not like it's going to happen and you have to have your resume in the next day. Okay. Uh, so be, okay. Be part of the if, community and, and keep your eyes open. If you're a part of the community, you won't miss it because we're going to spam the hell of it on, you know, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook. We have Instagram. I mean, we have everything. So if you miss it, then, I mean, I hate to say it, you probably weren't the best fit because <laughs> you probably aren't a part of the community in that aspect. Well, so... What is actually your next plan for the Fractals? That's a fantastic question. So we have some actually really cool stuff planned for 2015 that we can't really speak to just quite yet. And I know people hate hearing that answer. But we really want to continue our focuses on charity efforts. Um, I think that's something that we as a team feel really strongly about. So we've started kind of integrating some other charities besides just Extra Life. So I know, Esper, if you want to talk about what we're doing tonight, maybe it would be kind of a cool opportunity to speak about. Basically, what we are doing is we are raising money for the Just Dance Challenge, and all the fundraising for this goes towards the Special Olympics. And what we do is we stream a game on Twitch, and then once we hit like a certain fundraising marker, we have to do a dance from Just Dance. And so for some of us, like I personally am not the best dancer. I am not a good dancer at all. So for some people, you know, raising money is a fun way to, you know, watch some people be a little goofy and silly. And then uh, some of the other frag dolls are amazing dancers. And it's it's just a really great cause that we're raising money for. And, you know, we're having fun on Twitch and, and people get to experience that with us. And, and you know, it's, it's a lot of goofy, silly fun. And I am very excited. And, you know, it's, it's a workout. It's definitely a workout. Yeah. <laughs> And Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, the charity is our biggest focus, but also um, encompassing all gamers. Um, we really want to stand for everybody. I mean, obviously, our team is very much about, you know, empowering women, and we still want to empower women, but we want to empower everybody. And that's something that we are going to be focusing on um, for 2015 as well. I mean, it's our motto. That's what I stand for. That's what everybody on this team stands for is, you know, gaming for all. And then I think, too, is that now that we're... Our, I mean, technically, our 10-year anniversary was this, you know, past year in 2014. We really want to focus on what is it that we can do that's new and exciting and, you know, things to, to make this brand, you know, continue for another 10 years. And so those are, those are things we can't really speak about yet because it's not all, you know, detailed out. But I'm excited to see what this year brings for us. So here, here's an offer for you. As soon as you know details, let us know, because at the introduction for our next podcast, we always talk about what do the other guests now that we had in the last shows. So we always give the people the, the opportunity to promote their stuff they are doing right now in the future. So let us awesome. know and we will put it in the show. That's a, that's a promise. We always do that because we like to keep track of people, you know. Um, I also wanted to, to ask you, well, that was just a question that was coming up, um, because you were talking about the image of gamers and so on. What's your opinion 
about the Wii's approach in 2006 to make a console and games for casual gamers, you know, like your, your favorite housewife or, I don't know, or oh, a grandparent, who, 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 you know? Who is this? Who, who made these? I mean, Nintendo. When oh, they, the Wii, when the they Wii. Yeah, when they announced the Wii, they would say, we're making console and we're making games for casual gamers. So that, for, is that what that's for? Casual gamers. Really? Because I, I am awful at the Wii. I am, that, I yeah. cannot, well, you I, know, that's, you know, for, for people who are not gamers or who are not into gaming, you know, really? but getting, getting, I don't know, like getting the mother who was not into gaming before to, to do gaming, you know, mm. for example, like Wii Sports or, or Wii Fit, you know, where yeah, you yeah. can, where you can do exercise. So what's your opinion about that? Do you do you think it's a good idea, or do you think that that in the last nine years the whole game game thing changed? My opinion on that might be different than yours, Esper. But I, the more people that you can get into gaming, for me, is awesome. So if if that's the way that they think that they need to market it, great. But you also need to be very careful with the way you say things, because when I hear casual gaming, like. Like, well, what's, what makes them casual, you know? Like, what is it that's casual about it? Gaming's gaming. To me, when I hear the word casual, I always think of time, right? I just think, okay, that person doesn't really have as much time as I do to spend on gaming. So to me, that's what casual means, where casual to a lot of people can mean, like, they're not competitive, so they're casual. So it's, it's kind of that kind of tricky situation of what you think it is. So... I, I mean, I think it's I think it's great. I don't think they need to market it as, hey, this is our casual gaming. You know, if you want casual games, come to this website, and this is what games are geared towards you, because you can still play Halo casually. You know, you know, if you're working as a doctor 80 hours a week, and you only have five hours to spend on gaming or an hour, unfortunately, that's your time constraints. And I and me and Michelle are very lucky because we get to play games lots of hours, but I'm not competing right now, but I also wouldn't call myself casual because I play, you know, a lot. So I guess it just, it depends on what you think casual is. Yeah, it's kind um, of a, it's an hard. amorphous, it's, it's sort of an amorphous kind of thing. Like, casual could range from playing these, these hardcore games just, you know, a couple of minutes or, you know, half an hour a day or something down to some crappy iPhone game that you only play while you're, Forgive me, but sitting on the toilet, you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, I mean, it, it, it's such a, such a huge realm of what casual could be. Well, it's funny because when you think of board games, right? I used to play board games all the time as a kid. I mean, I never really got into to tabletop gaming, but it was I a casual gamer when I was playing, you know, board games. Like, you don't hear that word in other, no. in other realms. Like, okay, I play, I play softball every week. Am I a casual softball player? No. <laughs> Like you don't hear it used, so I just think it's kind of a weird term to yeah. use. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know, Esper. What are your kind of? So basically, <laughs> I find that when something is called like a casual game, you know what? This could be like a cool gateway to playing a lot of other games. You know, like getting started on something that might be considered a little bit easier to pick up and play. You know what? Sometimes that might you know. It might inspire them to check out other games that they haven't heard of or they haven't seen before that might be considered a little bit more hardcore. So maybe one day they download that game on their iPhone. Next day, maybe they're in GameStop and they're like, hey, GameStop employee, give me a, give me a game idea. I like this. Give me what you think would be something similar that I would like. And so any gaming is good gaming. I think, you know what, if 
If they like it, they like it. I'm not going to judge someone just because they like a certain game and I don't like it. I'm not going to be like, oh, you're a dirty, casual gamer. You know, like, <laughs> you like what you like. And if you have fun playing it, play it. And who cares what anyone else thinks? If you're passionate about it and you love it, that's that's your thing. It's it's not my place to make fun of you for what you play, you know? I mean, I mean, for, for me, when I think about casual gamer, for example... My mom, she used to play games with me when we were on holidays and I was bored as a kid and she would play against me uh, Tetris or Boulder Dash or something. So maybe those, as I said, well, easy to learn games, they easily attract all kind of people and age groups. It's, it's good to, to see that um, gaming is more mainstream. The game industry... It's bigger than the music and the movie industry together. So we're taking over the world. Definitely, definitely. Well, it's, it's kind of become a uh, yeah. It's also becoming kind of an art form in and of itself because um, because you know initially storytelling was an interactive experience between the storyteller and the audience, and and we sort of bastardized it with books and movies where suddenly it you're you're looking at the story but you're not interacting, and now. You've got this new kind of art form media that tells a story and you interact with it and your experience with it might be different from mine because we do things differently or figure out a different way to do it. And so it kind of, it's sort of almost supplanting standard movies and, and stuff like that as, as where a lot of people get their, their entertainment from. Yeah. Um, I also would like, to, to ask you about the social aspect of video gaming because, you know, in the recent years, because I know that because I used to work for an ISP and after 9 p.m. I had to support the World of Warcraft players or, or uh, players like Second Life and so on. Oh, and the downside of, of video gaming for some, for some younger and even older people is that they are getting kind of drugged by video games. So they, they don't have You're family talking anymore. About, they, talking about addiction? Addiction to video games? Yeah, yeah. They, they, don't, they don't go to work anymore. They, um, they lose their jobs. And I guess that's the other extreme. Well, that's a second life thing, especially. You see a lot of that there where people have completely invested themselves into this online world. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's you know, to the... Yeah, to yeah the, but I think... I don't think... I mean, with that aspect, I think everything's addicting, right? It could be anything. You could be addicted to anything. And I think it just depends on a person's makeup and their their personality and what they make of it. I don't think it's that, oh, my God, video games, they're addicting, oh, no. they're horrible. I think it's anything can be, and it just depends on how you moderate your, you know, yourself. And it it's really up to the player, you know? What's your opinion, Michelle? So I think I, think I definitely agree with Crystal on this part. You know, it's it's all very personal you know someone might consider something like oh that person spends six hours on video games they clearly have a video game addiction but a person who's playing six hours like it, it might not be a problem for them you know it's it's about how you want to live your life and if you want to live your life playing that way then yeah do do what you will but when it comes down to it just you know remember that your health is important taking breaks is okay and you know get getting outside every once in a while isn't a bad thing either yeah well there were actually reports about people in asia dying from not eating and so on this was quite yeah i mean at that point there's an underlying condition of them probably having some maybe mental, bigger issue yeah, yeah issue that maybe it hasn't you know 
I mean, because if I wasn't playing video games and say I never met video games, I'd probably be doing a different hobby just as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, that hobby, who knows what the hobby would be because I chose this path, but I mean, it could have been a sport. Like the people that go to the gym, there's people who you know, go to the gym 20 hours a week or whatever it is, or people that are really, you know, into their sports or crocheting for God's sake. I don't know. It could have been something really random, but I think everybody has that, that thing that they like and... It's funny because I think if anybody said, hey, you're addicted to games, well, great, let's turn around. What are you addicted to then? Because there's got to be some hobby that you spend hours and hours on, right? Well, of course, I also think it's about how you approach the hobby. I mean, for you two, you you made your hobby a living, a job. So that's probably the best way to go. But also other people, well, they make other jobs. And I think it's also important to have a balance in life to say, well, I like this hobby, but of course, in order to invest in the hobby, I have to have a regular job. So if it's not gaming, I have to go to work. And well, what, what, what basically what changed in my life is when, when I was in my uh, teens, I uh, used to play on birthday parties and so on. But I also used video games to distract myself from crap on on the on the real life, and um, as we get older nowadays, we are still meeting like every four six weeks at a friend's house, and we are playing um, like an offline let's play. Like one person plays, and the other one giving hints or exchanging the controller because the other person is better at that part. So I think. I think this um, whole society changed a bit um, because of the possibilities with internet and also because of the attitude. I, I think gaming is no longer a geek thing. No, it's the cool thing. I want to be the cool kid. <laughs> yeah. is, is that, isn't that right? That in the last 10 years, the perspective um, on on gamers, well, geek culture. Geek yeah. culture is now popular. It's 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 exactly. in now. I think kind of just geek culture in general. Like, I hate when people say like, "Oh, you're a geek, you're a nerd." Oh, la 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 la. Because I mean, everybody's a geek and a nerd in their own way. It's just, what are you geeking out on? What are you nerding out on? Mm-hmm. You so, can't help what you love. You can't help. Yeah, what right. you love, you know? Michelle, Lifeline. <laughs> yeah, you can't help what you love. You know, and and I do think. This geeky, nerdy culture thing has definitely hit the mainstream. And you know what? Like you, you can see it you know, in TV and in movies and, and just media everywhere. Like think about like Game of Thrones. You know, those books a while ago were considered like, oh, you read fantasy novels. You're clearly a geek, right? And how many people will turn into Game of Thrones every week and freak out about it, you know? Like I'm definitely excited about that. I read those. I read a lot of those books when I was pretty young, and, and now knowing that I can, you know, turn HBO and see it, or you know, um, comic book, you know, comic book fans out there, a lot of those comic books are there too are now TV shows, and I, I think it's fantastic that a lot of these things that you know, ten, fifteen years ago, which were considered nerdy and geeky, are out there, and you know what, people love it, and it's just going to keep making the industry grow, and we're going to see even more adaptations of our favorite books and movies that were considered once geeky out there, so. I'm pumped up for it, okay? I'm excited for it. (laughs) So what do you think the next big change in the next 10 years will be in the game industry? And and, and also, maybe a second part of the question... The ability to plug our brains in. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, the second part of the question I would like to ask is, where do you want to go in the next 10 years with the Fractals? Um, Well, I think for gaming, the first thing would be 
I mean, I'm really interested in how, like, the whole VR aspect is taking off. Um, I actually got to go to a PAX, a, a VR panel. They kind of speak to a lot of the developers who are behind it. And their biggest thing was, like, we are not anywhere close to being what we want to be at. And it's going to be five-plus years from now. So I think we have a lot of, you know, information about VR. But I don't think VR is going to be really fully developed or where we want it to be for another five to ten years. So I think when we speak about the development side, I'm excited to see how, you know, VR is and uh, virtual reality and, you know, kind of that space. Um, when it comes to the Fragdoll team, I mean, I, I'm really happy with the way that we are right now. So just continuing that and trying to continue the success of that, you know, making us maybe a little bit more of a household name would be nice. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, I would really love to see our Twitch, you know, take off. We're at like 40,000 followers right now on Twitch and just to see that grow. Um, that's kind of our baby right now. We've been only really focusing on it for about a year. Um, so I'd love to, you know, just continue to grow that and make that, you know, something really special and try to do different things and come up with new content and different content that's not already being done on Twitch and kind of thinking of those, you know, those bright new ideas. I, I think I have to agree with Crystal completely on this. Like, I, I would love to see us still going on the same path we're doing, but just doing it 10 times as big, 100 times as big, 3 million times as big, you know, just, just really promoting, like, a really great community and that's what we have right now. We have a fantastic community and I'd love to see that community grow. And in 10 years, I would love it to be a gigantic, amazing community where people know they can come and they can hang out and talk about the games they love or other things that they love and, and feel safe and, and make, make great friends. Well, hopefully we can help to contribute at least four to six new followers. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody counts. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Everyone is awesome. <laughs> anyway, Everything right. is awesome. Sorry, I love my Legos. That song just had to be sang. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, Lego, Lego movie. That was quite yeah. nice. Yeah. All right. Okay, so is there? Yep. So uh, people can reach you at or can find you at fragdolls.com. Yeah. Our our. You can definitely go to our website if you just want a quick like, who the hell are we? Mm-hmm. Um, and meet the the team. Um. The website and our forums used to be, like, the only way that you would communicate with us, you know, because that was, again, 10 to 5 years ago. We are very much social media mavens, so everything that we do is more on social media. So we have our uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and then our YouTube channel. And then our Twitch is going to be the best place because it's real-time. So I'd say if you really want to reach out to us and get an answer ASAP on anything, Twitter, because the lovely Esper runs it, and she's very good at... um, being responsive on I, it. I love talking to people all day. I yeah. Can do it all day. <laughs> or on our Twitch when somebody's live streaming because we can, you know, see it. Or if we don't see it, a model point it out and we can answer people right away. So it's kind of having that, you know, real time interaction. So cool. the next time I will type, like, invite me, invite me. <laughs> <laughs> and literally well, everything is whatever the platform is, the forward slash and fragdolls. Like, it's literally the same thing everywhere you go. So it's super easy to find. Um, great, great, great. Well, so this is all from my side right now. I don't know, AJ, do you have anything left I to ask? I think we've taken up enough of their time. Thank you guys so much for having us on and hanging out. And- oh, thank thank you for, for coming on and putting up with us for almost two hours. <laughs> yeah, one hour fifty. Thank so, you so much. Thanks. Once again, that was Siren and Esper from the Fragdolls, and you can check out their website at fragdolls.com or their Twitch 
channel at twitch.tv forward slash fragdolls or their Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fragdolls and their Twitter is twitter.com forward slash fragdolls as as they said they're on pretty much everything and it's it's all slash fragdolls um you can also and definitely should check out their uh charity endeavor with uh extra life and that's extra hyphen life.org check that out and sign up and donate and do whatever you can as for us uh you know the deal you can find uh Video interviews, podcasts, the uh, disc mag and everything available at sceneworld.org. Uh, I have a website at justwestofhell.com, and you can follow me at at Arthur J. Heller on Twitter. Uh, York's also got a website. It's nafcom.eu, and his Twitter thing is at nafcom. So that's it for York. I'm AJ, and we'll see you next time.